Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Now a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D. Mendy here, joined by a guy who likes to sing campfire songs, eat s'mores, and comb the hair on his chest. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? When did I tell you I like to comb the hair on my chest? I thought, I thought that was hair. some. I didn't, I didn't, well, it's magnificent, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's going really well, man. How, how are things going with you here? Pretty good, man. Just picking up. Things are a little busy. Coaching basketball starts next week with tryouts. We had a team meeting or we had a coaches meeting today. So life's definitely picking up a little bit, but triple play is always taking priority to things that are not my wife. So uh, you will guys, don't worry. I'm not, no podcast stuff will be leaving from here. But anyway, besides that, we also have, of course, the man who was known as One Flip Rick over the weekend. That's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? We talking about flipped up? Yeah. Hell yeah, that's my game, baby. Did you know they called you One Flip Rick? No, who said that? Probably Brenton. I did. Oh, you did? Nice. It's catchy, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, you did pretty well. I'll give you that. The compliments are Oh my gosh. Guys, on November 9th, 2021, David gave me a compliment. This is wild. Yeah, I know. Uh, But we're not alone. As we are also joined by a host of Between the Seams, lead fantasy baseball analyst for Triple Play Fantasy, and now a part-time co-host on the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball shows, where you'll hear him on pretty much a good chunk of the shows going forward. That is Mr. Marty Tallman. Marty, how's it going? David, I'm doing great. Thank you for that intro. I'm excited to be on here, be contributing to the podcast more, and doing anything that the uh, the squad needs me. Um, just released my second base, uh, my early 2022 uh, second base ranking. So keep an eye out for that on the website. And uh, yeah, just excited for it. I mean, it's it's not baseball season, but it is fantasy baseball season. It always is. It never sleeps. There you go. Mock drafts are always around, and I'm in one right now. That's right, Marty. It's it's a it's a drug we can't quit. <laughs> That's what it is. But anyway, I mean, we're we're talking. We're taking a break from the drafts in this episode. Coming up, you'll hear our Fixing the Division series, starting with the AL East edition. So before we get into free agency, position previews, dynasty outlooks, mock drafts, all that great stuff, we're going to go division by division to discuss each and every team in Major League Baseball. Today, obviously, starting off with the AL East and us figuring out what we need to do to fix each team in the division. The contenders, pretenders, free agency, what will that bring for each team? What are they doing with their stars, assets they're going to bring in? All that great stuff, we're basically going to play GM today, and we're going to let you know what to expect from these teams going forward as collectively with the players that they have on their roster. And we're going to be joined today by the one of the hosts of the Breaking Balls podcast, Emily Nyman. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which World Series team that hasn't won since the 20th century will be the next team to win one? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready, to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! <laughs> All right. So we got some news, and there was actually more news and notes when I was putting these together than I thought there would be. So let's start off with the qualifying offers. 
So there's some players that have come out rejecting qualifying offers. Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. So those have been the big names. There's some also have not decided yet. That's Brandon Belt, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Ray Del Iglesias, Robbie Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Trevor Story, Noah Syndergaard, Chris Taylor, Justin Verlander. That's a lot of names. But I'm interested right now, before we started off with, Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, Corey Seager, and Marcus Simeon. Are there, first of all, Marty, any names from this group that surprise you that they rejected it? And out of this group, is there, who are you most intrigued by seeing where they go? Yeah, so uh, for the first question, no, I'm not surprised by any of them. All of them have tried to set themselves up for a multi-year contract. I mean, Michael Conforto, you can you know kind of say what you want, but the other um, the other three definitely have. And now, as far as which one I'm seeing now from a fantasy perspective, which one's going to make the, um, uh, the biggest change to my rankings? And I've actually talked about this in my article, Marcus Simeon. I got to see where he goes. It's going to be super important. Mm-hmm. And we, I know we kind of touched on this in the show. This is just a little teaser. Marcus Simeon, you see him going somewhere else that's not Toronto. Yeah, he's going to, yeah, they're not going to, they don't have the money to offer him anything, you know, two, three, four years or whatever he's going to want. And honestly, he deserves it. He does. Coming off uh, an MVP caliber season. Cheesecake. The Dodgers didn't extend a qualifying offer to Clayton Kershaw. The White Sox didn't extend one to Carlos Rodon. Are you concerned about these guys in terms of fantasy because their own teams aren't giving it to them? Do they know something we don't? I think that my take on on Kershaw not getting the qualifying offer is is out of respect from the Dodgers trying to be a class organization because he's been there for so long. Qualifying offer really restricts your market, restricts how people are going to come at you. Um, I think there's a really, really good chance he's just back with the Dodgers next year. But they they didn't want to to play him like like they would another player they want to show him the respect of not not putting the the training wheels on his free agency pursuits so that's my take on Kershaw with Rodon i mean there's a really good chance Rodon would have taken the qualifying offer i think that's one of the things you'd have to look at with but also i i i don't know i i think that that he's going to be a, a highly sought after pitcher but I did have concerns with with how he pitched uh, towards the end of the season, where his velocity was down a little bit. Um, he he didn't really get a long leash in his one playoff start, so it's hard to take much from that. His velocity was way up in the playoffs, but his 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 control was down. His composure was kind of poor in that game against Houston. So um, I'm not going to speculate. Uh, I I don't. I think he probably would have accepted a qualifying offer. I think the White Sox are going to try to re-sign him, though. Really? I yeah, kinda, I do. I agree with you on Kershaw. I'm not sure about Rodone. I actually I feel like there were some concern, like medical concerns with him, mm-hmm. and obviously we saw that they had last year. I felt like that was kind of a glaring thing that they they didn't give it to him, and that they have a Marty. You seem like you want to jump in. I was there. I was gonna say real quick on Kershaw, and this is from the Los Angeles Times. So the three most likely scenarios to unfold are that number one, and this I art, I agree with you. He probably resigns with the Dodgers, um, but if not, he's either going to sign with the Texas Rangers, his hometown team, or retires. Retiring mm-hmm. apparently is on the docket. Very small chance, apparently, but it's. I mean, so hey, they said it. I said that. That was my bold prediction David and I had a couple months ago is I think he retires. Like Justin Turner put something on his TikTok like a a couple weeks ago, 
and like somebody comments and he's like, bro, Kershaw might not pitch again or something like that. Well, there was that. And also, I think during the wow. pandemic, he talked about how he didn't realize that he missed spending time with his family when mm-hmm. he was kind of locked. I mean, you never know, like if, if he decides, hey, I won a championship and, you know, you don't know what's lying ahead as far as with injury. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Doc, speaking of the Dodgers, Andrew Heaney is headed back to Southern California as he agreed to a one year, eight and a half million dollar deal with the Dodgers. Now, Andrew Heaney, it's not been good for him the past few years. He's posted an ERA of 446 or higher every year since 2018. Last year, especially, his ERA was 583 over 129 and two-thirds innings pitched. Can we expect a bounce back from Heaney right now? The fantasy community is buzzing. They think maybe the Dodgers can fix him and turn him back into what we were hoping he'd be. Should we be excited? I mean... I'm a little more optimistic than what he's done in the AL just because he gets to go to a team that's going to back him with good offense. He's going to get to face the pitcher, assuming that L doesn't adopt the DH. But he's a guy I think everybody has chased just because of his high strikeout potential. He's shown flashes of three to four starts in a row where he'll put together quality starts, but he just doesn't do that long term. And He's, he's somebody where I think if he has a good start to this season, he's like the ultimate sell high after the first month. Yeah, I mean, we've, stranger things have happened, right? Andrew Heaney was fantasy relevant. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's like, you know, would you be shocked to see like a Dylan Bundy type of year? But Dylan, but, but that was 60 games and Dylan Bundy like had like a sub three ERA the first half and then like a 4.6 ERA the second half. I I meant more in the sense of like where he could come out and look like a whole new pitcher and then revert back, but give you that optimism early on that he's a new pitcher and he's going to be fixed. Yeah. I mean, you look at his, at his career innings, he's thrown over a hundred three times in his seven year career. I mean, that, that's not like a high number, like injuries, mm-hmm. fatigue, like all of that's going to add up at some point. I, he could have a really good start out of the gate, but I don't see it being long term. All right, let's go through these last few here really quickly because they all have relevance to each and every single one of you three. Doc, you're an Alex Bregman truther. The Astros announced that he underwent surgery on his right wrist today. It isn't impacted or expected to keep him out for the start of the 2022 season. The timeline is set six to 10 weeks for him restarting baseball activities. Does this bump him down for you in your rankings for next year? Yeah, and I guess it explains why maybe he was struggling in the World Series. I want to see what the Astros do, if they add any bats in that lineup, uh, if they keep Correa or if they um, replace him with someone else. I'm not as much of a truth ever since the cheating scandal, not just that, like how he reacted to it. Like I know his Jews were supposed to support one another, but it's a tough situation. No, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, you're you're going against your religion there. Your your brother and uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I gotta I gotta be loyal though, okay. loyal to the game of honesty. Uh, there you go, Marty Justin Verlander, Tiger's God, or ex Tiger's God. Put on a Tiger's God. <laughs> put on a showcase in front of about two thirds of MLB teams and reportedly touched ninety seven miles an hour in his eighteen month return from Tommy John surgery. Now, as a Tigers fan, or I'm asking you two questions for this. One, as a Tigers yeah. fan, are you just yearning to have him come back? And number two, no. 
Oh, oh, wow. Oh, 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 wow. Number, number the thing, and this is, oh, the, you want to go to number two, and I'll number go Number two, I was going to say, are you intrigued for fantasy purposes? Okay. Um, absolutely not if for the Tigers. And here's, here's the reason why. I love Justin Verlander. He did everything he could for this organization, and it, not that he, it, it, it wasn't enough, but that was not his fault. He has the opportunity to spend the last few years of his Hall of Fame career in a place where he can flourish. I don't need him to be here to try to coach up these young guys to maybe, you know, maybe have a chance in a couple of years. No, he doesn't have a couple of years. I want him to go to a place where he can maybe get another championship, build on his Hall of Fame career and just enjoy it. He's done enough for us. And from a fantasy perspective, I don't I mean, I like the park I and mean, he always does well here. Um, but the wind potential isn't there. The I think there's something, especially when you're at that age that like you want to win. If you don't have that boost of winning, you know, it's just, you're not going to get the all out of them. And he comes to the Tigers and they don't do well. What are we doing? So um, as a fan, just like I like Stafford that he left us, go, go do your thing. Matthew Verlander, do your thing. Just, we had our time. It's okay. If Justin Verlander went to the New York Yankees, would you, where would you be drafting him? Just off the top of the head. Um, Probably still like, he's a top 25 but I would probably move him back closer to the thirties. I wouldn't, I don't want him on the Yankees. I think he's a top 30. He's home run prone. He is, but solo home runs, but he's, he's like Max Scherzer. He gives up a lot of solo home runs. Yeah. Just AL East, man. That's tough. So that would be the one place I wouldn't want him to go everywhere else. I'd keep him in the 25 range. San Francisco giants. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. great. Keep him there. That would be weird though. After losing to him in the world series, but yeah. Top 25 starting pitcher. If you were with the giants. Yeah, he's flir- he's he's flirting around there. I haven't finished my um, uh, starting ranks yet, but off the top of my head, I would have him close to the twenty-five. Let's talk about. Let's go from Justin Verlander to a name that doesn't carry as much weight. That's Wade Miley, who the Cubs Hold announced. The, the Cubs announced they're picking him up. Jeez, we've kid. we've hit a low in this show when we talk about Wade Miley. Here Cubs going. He for had Wade his Miley. time last year. I mean, you know, quality starts. Yeah, yeah. good. It's a good move for the Cubs. I mean, the Reds. Kind of interesting that they gave, gave him up pretty much for nothing. $10 million yeah. uh, for a guy who pitched 163 innings of 337 ball last year. This, this is a great move. Are we pumped for our Cubs? Are they coming back next year? Oh, my God. No. I mean, they 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 sold last year. I think this is a good move. And I think it's a move, good move because he's a quality MLB starting pitcher who they could possibly flip at the deadline. Um, if he comes out and has a good first half, which is probably the goal with this pickup. Yeah. And uh, they just need arms and they need stability. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's going to be given them. Eat innings, go out there every fifth day, pitch six or seven innings of three or four or five or six runs, however, whatever mm-hmm. Wade Miley's feeling like that day. And just, you know, that's assuming he's going to get that far. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> was it, was it the year he, he pitched really well? And then had two straight starts where he didn't get an out for the Astros. For the Astros, is that yeah. why you're salty? I think it was when Doc in the, had him in the playoffs in our. You know league. what? Wade Miley and Tyler Anderson will never be on my team ever again. <laughs> Something about these old veteran tubby lefties that just suck in September. I don't think Tyler Anderson's tubby. Uh, have you seen him with his shirt off? I don't know, but you can't go around calling people tubby. Doc has. You're right. I yeah, haven't, but I'm assuming he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you enjoy hearing Doc call people tubby, 
Check out all the great content over at Triple Flation. What a transition. Maybe you sound like a bully. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Check out all the great content over at Triple Play Fantasy. We've got, of course, our football and basketball podcast. We've got the Super Fantasy Bros between the seams with Marty and Mac and the Tripwire on there. Shorter content we have on there. We have our coaches' corners, fantasy foodies, movie minutes, and so much more on the YouTube channel. We just crossed 1.22K. So thank you guys for the support. If writing is more your style, you can go to tripplayfantasy.com. We'll see tons of great articles, like from Marty Tallman, uh, with his rankings at each position. He's putting out like about one a week-ish, week and a half. Yep. So every he's, Tuesday, he's grinding it right now. Great stuff. So check that stuff out and make sure you stay in the know by following the account on social media at trip play fantasy. Now, let me tell you in a perfect world, we could eat whatever we wanted and not gain weight. We could win the lottery, setting up our lives for future generations. Heck, we could even understand the opposite sex. Unfortunately, this world ain't perfect. We got hedge funds ripping off the common folk for millions of dollars. We have one pint of Ben and Jerry's being 1,200 calories, which I don't understand how that could be possible. And we have 13-year-old TikTok stars driving Lamborghinis. I don't even know how they have licenses. Folks, it's a dark world out there. But today, I'm going to bring a little light into your lives with Triple Play Fantasy, the only podcast you'll ever need to win money, set your fantasy lineups, heck, make babies laugh, and sleep through the night. Join the kids sitting at the cool table at school and listen to Triple Play Fantasy. I promise you will not be disappointed. All right, we're going to jump into the Fixing the Division AL East edition right after. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back in to another episode of the podcast. They removed my background as I played the intro. I guess I'll know that for the future. We'll keep this stuff. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in as they do each and every week. Of course, you know the normal two up top with me. That's little Cheesecake and the Doc. How are you doing tonight, fellas? David, I'm seeing you too much. No more doing multiple pods in a night, okay? Yeah, you're stuck with me, apparently, in life, too. So I don't know what to tell you there. I know. Cheesecake, you doing good, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a wonderful Tuesday night here in Maryland. Yeah, can't complain. And, of course, Marty Tolman, who you'll hear in the intro, Marty, you'll be seeing a lot of him around these parts. You already know he's part of the Triple Play team. You'll be seeing him on a lot of these pods as he's going to be a new co-host and being on a lot of the main episodes here on the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Marty Tallman, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm well. Thank you for that beautiful intro. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to seeing you guys more so we can get sick of each other. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. That's how you know you like someone. <laughs> you get yeah. sick of, of them. Not me, not me, but you'll get sick of them really fast. But everybody, it, it pales in comparison to the big guns that we brought in for tonight. Joining the show, we welcome in a woman that is planning to spend a lot of time this offseason watching everything Airbud. She's the host of the Breaking <laughs> Balls podcast, an Alex Rodriguez historian where she has all his playoff statistics down to a T, an avid lover of the MLB awards, and definitely doesn't think they're a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, the last with class, the chick whose podcast gets mad gets mad clicks, the gal with rationale, we welcome in Emily Nyman. How's it going? That is honestly the best intro I've ever gotten as a guest on this podcast. So it's going really, really great so far. Hey, we love to have. I made sure when I was working today, I was like, I'm going to play some breaking balls and I'm just going to listen through. You guys, it's, it's an awesome podcast. Like you and your co host chemistry is really good. You guys are kind of, you know, you're talking stuff, but you're also really funny while doing it. How'd you guys start that? Um, well, it started way back in 1988 when John was born because he's my cousin. So we've been working on that <laughs> chemistry for, uh, 
quite some time now. And uh, I started the podcast last April during lockdown. So after like four episodes, I was like, I can't do this by myself. I don't think I, I need to bring someone in. And John and I had been talking for years about doing a podcast together. So I already had one rolling and I asked him if he wanted to get in on it. And he said, yes. Yeah, I saw you were the one that you can look up the podcast and who's the one behind it has your name. So do you like you guys have a producer, right? That does the editing and stuff, but you you kind of make the show sheets and come up with the topics and kind of keep everything in order. That's that's all you, right? Yeah, exactly. My fiance, Daniel, he's our producer and engineer. So we're fortunate in that he does that thing, that kind of thing professionally. So it makes our podcast sound really professional, but he just does the post-production after we record. John and I have a production meeting every week and we discuss the things that we want to talk about for the coming episode. And it's, we spend a lot of, a lot of time on it and we put a lot of energy into it. So I'm really glad to get the feedback that we do about it because we love it, but it's a lot of work. Everything's in house. I love it. You know, the Beyonce <laughs> produces it. Cousins, the co-host, no outsiders. That's right. Keep it in the family. What's How it like to have a podcast that's organized? Can you tell us that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's to be, if I can be completely honest with you, it's great. But now that we've been doing it for about a year and a half, um, there can be some weeks, and I'm the podcast biggest critic, of course. So there can be some weeks where I feel like it'll be almost too regimented, and I want it to be a little bit more free flowing, like this podcast, but. It's a difference between recording and then releasing and then doing something live. So when eventually we would love to be able to do something like this that you guys do where you record it live and then you just make that show available for people to watch if they didn't catch the live version. Whereas we record and if we, you know, if we mess up or whatever, we can stop if we have to. My fiance prefers that we do. But as you guys can tell, I talk kind of fast. So I just usually keep it moving and he doesn't like that. But so I there's a happy medium, I think. And I think that we find it most of the time. Now, my last question before we dive into some baseball here, how did you come up with breaking balls? <laughs> I, I, we were sitting on the couch one night just watching TV and I'm not kidding. Like you guys know that GIF or have you seen the movie like Zootopia where it shows like that sloth in the DMV and his eyes just get like really wide. I was all of a sudden sitting there and I was like, oh, my eyes just got wide. And I was like, breaking balls the double entendre and then me and Daniel were like, yeah, going crazy. Like it just came to me. I was like, holy shit. Oh, sorry. Can I curse? Oh yeah. No, you feel okay. free. Yeah. But that, Oh, I love those. Like I open your like hit me. <laughs> let's, let's rock and roll. No, I, I know that exact feeling. Is it GIF or is it GIF? I, I didn't sure. want to be the one to say that, but I, uh, I'm glad I was the only one thinking that I just, Either went, way. I just went for it. I, I like it. It makes me hungry for peanut butter. <laughs> so we got a fun show planned for today. We're fixing the division series. It's it's starting off our new series on this channel for six weeks. We'll be fixing each division in baseball. Of course, with Emily being a Yankees fan, we had to start off with the AL East. So we're going to kind of hop in, take a look at each team in the AL East division, and we're going to fix it. And we're going to decide if teams are contenders, pretenders, what free agents they should bring in or what star they should trade to collect assets if they're trying to rebuild we're going to put our GM hats on here and we're going to fix these respective teams. So Emily's taking the Yankees. Doc's taking the Blue Jays. Art boldly wanted the Baltimore Orioles. I commend you, young sir. Marty wanted the Boston Red Sox and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays. So let's start off with the first part of this and that's going to be the bad contracts. So Emily, are there any bad contracts right now on the Yankees that you feel 
they need to move or try to move? To be honest, I think that uh, the only potential bad quote-unquote contract may be Aaron Hicks just because he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. But because of that, I don't know how much of a return they could possibly get for him. I'm sure better than I think. But beyond that, I mean, someone like Stanton, someone like Cole, naturally your head kind of goes there. But I think it's too early to say whether or not those contracts are bad. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's something that can only really be said in hindsight with guys that are elite and just came to the team or just got signed by the team. So wait, you don't think the Stanton is a bad contract? I mean, listen, I'm a little biased because I absolutely love Stanton. Pretty sure the uh, Funko I held up before was him. (laughs) You know, it's if he weren't consistently one of the top two hitters on the team now and he was healthy last year, then if we win a World Series, I don't care if they pay him until he's 40 years old. You know what I mean? And he can still do that. So we're not on now the downslope where it's like, oh, this guy sucks. He's dead weight. Since that hasn't happened yet and it's rapidly approaching don't get me wrong but because it hasn't they still are able to win he's still able to contribute a lot i can't say that the contract is bad because they're still in their championship window talk to me in like three or four years and i I love the optimism you have (laughs) thanks for cutting me off doc because i actually was about to say something that was going to skip something so that's very professional way way to save me right there gotcha Uh, marty you took the boston red Sox. are there any bad contracts on this team that they should look to move um, so, and when you said I wanted the Boston Red Sox, I was very strong. I, I, you know, it was, um, I, I, as a Tigers fan, I never want the, the Red Sox, but anyway, um, so, <laughs> uh, bad contracts, Chris sale, maybe, you know, they're not going to move him, but he's, he's potentially there, you know, he's potentially a bad contract. We don't know what we're going to get out of him next year. Um, so he's their biggest one. Other than that, as they just, you know, JD re-upped for the year. I mean, the Red Sox have made it a plan over the last couple of years to shed as many, you know, as much salary as possible, you know, not paying Mookie Betts and then mm-hmm. signing Hunter Renfro to a two-year deal, Schwarber to a year deal, you know, uh, Enrique, you know, n- nothing too big here. So they've actually done a very good job with their management um, as far as bad contracts. Do you think that J.D. Martinez dropped the ball by re-upping instead of, I believe they said he could have actually made more money if he took the qualifying offer or I think it was, he took the, he takes the qualifying offer and then re ups after doing what, you know what? I'm losing track. There was something that, you know, Sarah said on the race and barrels podcast where they basically said he kind of dropped the ball and made the wrong decision because he could have done an alternate route and actually made more money. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I think he's comfortable where he's at. He's in a good lineup. Um, He has one more year. Um, That's a lot of money for one year. Right. And let's say he does show out in that park. He'll sign probably a two more year uh, to uh, to do more year deal. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Cheesecake, you and took I, the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, oh good. I mean, you want to add something? I was just going to add that, especially with the CBA now negotiations happening and they don't know what's going to happen with the University DH. I feel like it doesn't behoove someone like J.D. Martinez to necessarily make any moves yet when his field can potentially open up big time if Universal DH is now across the league. Now now that opens him up to all 30 teams as opposed to just 15 because he's terrible on defense. Yeah, and even just mentioning the CBA makes me like 
Oh, <laughs> Sorry. It, it, we know what's, what's ahead with that and the negotiations that we're prepared to sit through and hopefully it doesn't impact baseball starting on time. Cheesecake, you took the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. the up and coming Baltimore Orioles, as we hope for in these Baltimore areas here. Absolutely. What asking, is him bot, asking him the bad contract is the biggest softball question ever. <laughs> Listen, if, if, if you look at the at the Orioles, they have $19 million committed to players on their active roster. $17 million committed to Chris Davis, who's not on the active roster. <laughs> so $36 million of total contracts committed for, for 2022 right now, and $17 million of it is committed to nobody. The biggest contract is Trey Mancini, $8 million. That's not a bad contract. I don't think they have any bad contracts right now. Yeah, they're a young, up-and-coming team. They don't take on a lot of salary. They have a lot of young players in their farm mm-hmm. system and, and players coming up. So I think they're in a really good cap situation right now. And don't obviously, Chris Davis, he's retired, and that contract's just going to stick around there. But no, I think this is the one of the few places the Orioles are on the right track on for sure. Doc, you're in kind of the opposite direction here with the Blue Jays, who are just throwing money like it's going out of style right now. <laughs> and uh, they have a lot of high-priced, high-powered players on that roster. I mean, not a lot of people have cashed in yet. I'm not going to say anything about the Springer contract because it was one year in, kind of an injury-plagued season, but did produce when he was on the field. Ryu has a couple of years left at $20 million. I think it's valuable as a starting pitcher. I actually think the worst contract they have is Randall Gritchick, who is two-year, 206 million remaining left on his contract you know what is he probably the seventh best hitter in that lineup yeah he wasn't even playing uh, some of the season yeah i mean he he played 149 games so a good portion of it but 241 281 423 triple slash he's basically will provide some power but that's like the last thing that the blue jays need so i i don't think they're gonna have anyone take that i remember when he signed i was like wow he needs to give his agent like the biggest cut ever because they just fleeced the Blue Jays. Yeah, but uh, the Twins fleeced the Blue Jays when they also got uh, traded Barrios for two of their top prospects. We'll see if it pans out or not. Prospects, you know. The Rays are kind of like the Orioles. They pretty much are so young and don't commit a lot of money. They have a total payroll that's under $70 and Kevin Kiermeyer has a base salary of $12.1 which is 17% of the entire payroll. Only Mike Zunino is the only other player in double digits at 10% at $7 million. A lot of their players like uh, Wander Franco and Shane McClanahan and Shane Baz and so many of these guys, they're not even making a million dollars right now. (laughs) So they are in a very good spot. Maybe not in a few years, but for right now, they are in a very good spot. Let's go to the biggest assets. So we're now we're, uh, we're moving on from a bad thing. We're talking about a good thing. And with the Yankees, there's a lot of assets there. A lot of big names, a lot of production. Who are the Yankees' biggest assets, Emily? Do you see maybe an unpredictable trade happening or where they try to get future assets? What do you think they do with their big guns? Um, I mean, as far as their big guns, like you mean like someone like Judge or is that who like, you're referring to specifically? Like I guess guys like, like that or... I guess like Judge and Stan, you wouldn't expect to move. But what about someone like Glaber Torres? Like, would you expect that he gets moved at some point in the next year? Uh, you know, I think that he does because I think that they are going to go after one of the shortstops on the market. So I think that pretty much is sealed 
Glaber's fate, that plus DJ's deal that they signed him to last year. So they've committed mm-hmm. now six years to him. And Glaber, even though he obviously grossly underperformed last year, but last year was an anomaly in that it was the first season after not playing a real season, you know, so a lot of guys had a lot of like, they weren't really fully stretched out as they normally are going year to year. And he still has a few options left. So I think that even with his questionable future at this point in time, he's still valuable in that we've seen his ceiling, even though maybe you could chalk it up to juice ball merchant, but he's able to make adjustments. He's a good enough player that he can adjust. So I think that he's probably the most valuable asset that's most realistic to move within the next year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, is there any other player that you think might be on the roster that might be a sneaky move? Like not, maybe not like a judge stand type of guy, but do you see, uh, you know, like a, uh, uh, drawing a blank on for a second, but, uh, like what's his name at third base? Like, I'm going to go and do and Oh no, not, not Miguel and I think you were shallow was what I was trying to think of, but yeah, I mean, I think that they could possibly move Urshela, but I, I also think that these guys don't have as much value as a lot of fans think that they do, especially someone like Urshela. I mean, he's already like in his 30s. He's not like a young guy. And I, I think it all depends. It all hinges on what they do in the free agent market with the shortstop. I think that if they decide to kind of save money, see what it's looking like, then they'll keep those guys. But I think they'll move Urshela. I think they'll honestly move Voight too because I think that they may be in on some first baseman around the league. And um, beyond that, I don't really see them making too many trades because their other valuable assets are guys like Loizaga and, you know, uh, what's-his-face, Holmes. So mm-hmm. they're valuable to us, though. So I don't know. who you, They're in their window now, so there's no sense in trading guys to get other prospects or even to get – a how many guys would you have to trade to get like a proven entity, like someone who's already a pro and proven, you know what I mean? So I really don't see them doing much on that trade market beyond Glaber Torres. What about the smooth guy known as Gary Sanchez? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Gary, Gary, Gary. Um, I mean, they're not going to move him. Who's better? Who, who, who can they replace him with? Hishi, Hishioka. Higgy, Higashioka? Higgy. No, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> Higgy's great. I mean, he's great for what he is. He's a great backup defensively, but he's cannot hit. And Gary has a much higher ceiling offensively. So I don't, you know, I'll take 30 dingers. I don't care if he hits 250 or even 210 from the catcher spot because that spot doesn't usually give much value offensively. So it's like, there. who could they possibly replace him with that's going to necessarily bring more value? I don't really think anybody. That's fair. Uh, the Yankees, we'll get to some free agent potential acquisitions because I've been hearing some things floated on the airways. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Let's go now back to the Red Sox and let's talk about their big guns. They've got a, some young studs coming in, but they also yep. have some cornerstones in that franchise. Do you see any movement on that front, Marty? No. I mean, their biggest goal is they need to lock up Rafael Devers, um, Xander Bar- Bogarts. That's their two. Those are their biggest a- assets you know, from this point forward. So they got to make sure they get um, those guys signed up long, long-term. Um, JD's still one of their biggest guys, Chris Sale, like I was saying before. And then you get into this middle ground of like Nathan Avaldi, who, you know, this is his last year um, on there. And then, you know, Matt Barnes, Enrique Hernandez, Christian Vasquez, 
you know, they're all pretty much at the end of the rope with the team. So we don't know if they're going to be picking them up or not. So again, there's not that many, just Xander, I would say Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. Other than that, the team is, you know, it is what it is. Didn't Xander sign a big deal like two years ago? Like I think he signed a six year, 120 mil in 2019. Keep, yep. And then keep it going. Yeah, it's a good contract for what he's given you. Mm-hmm. Even though some people have said that his career year, I believe in 2019, is not something that he's shown at any other point throughout the rest of his career, even after that. So maybe to temper your expectations, not for that player, but for a little bit lesser version. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, but then again, there's still a, a potential he's better, you know, and they can really put some, I mean, the the names that the Red Sox are looking at, it's everybody. So if they're able to bulk up their lineup, you know, with the counting stats completely transform. And now we're talking about a different player. So I don't know. Okay. Let's go from a powerful lineup to a putrid lineup. Cheesecake. <laughs> Let's talk about the Orioles and, and any big guns that they have. Cedric Mullins came out of nowhere, gave us a 30, 30 season was, you know, could have argued an MVP candidate yeah. and somebody that's going to be going in the top few rounds of fantasy drafts next year. Besides him, I mean, first of all, if you're if you're an Orioles GM, is it crazy to think that you try to trade him where I don't, can't imagine his value is any higher and you try to uh, maximize it? Or do you keep him as a cornerstone and what are you doing with the other guys on the roster? I mean, I think for 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 Baltimore, there's enough people in their prime window who are who who are relatively young and they have a lot of good assets. They have five five players in the top MLB top one hundred prospects. Including the number one overall, obviously the biggest a- asset that they have is Adley Rutschman, the catcher. They have the number eight overall prospect, pitcher Grayson Rodriguez. So they have what a lot of teams are looking for—that ace and that and that you know dog uh, uh, hitter that's just going to come out and, and 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 has a bright future for them. So they their two biggest assets are those two. I think the person that they should be looking to trade is Trey Mancini. He's kind of redundant in their in their lineup with with Santander, uh, Austin Hayes. They have Cedric Mullins. They're trying to get Stewart some more ABs a- a- out there. Um, Mancini's DH in mostly now, and he he showed you know he doesn't have a bad contract. He showed that he still has it. He showed that he came back, twenty three home runs, good season. I think he's a he's a someone who who's an asset for them to move. Uh, sadly, they they'll probably try to trade John Means. I would like for them to hold on to Means and maybe maybe add a little bit of depth because their pitching, their starting pitching, is really really going to be painful to watch next year. But um, but I think if if it's my team, I'm 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 looking to trade Trey uh, to clear up a little bit of a, a plate appearances for the younger guys. So. I, I feel like maybe I'm in my, a single boat here. I know you guys kind of all shook your head. I'm treating Cedric Mullins like Dogecoin. And the fact that, I mean, there is no chance his value is higher than it is right now. And I'm trying to maximize that value. I will the back you up and say that's an absolute fact. Wow, a, David, David with a crypto reference. Who are you? I don't know, but I'm saying it makes sense. Like, is there any chance his value is higher than it is right now? No, but... I don't, he's so he's on such a good contract. Like that's what I'm saying. You have him on a great contract. He's Mm -hmm. coming off a 30, 30 season for a team that has so many holes. If you could sip sip Cedric Mullins out right now and you could get three pieces that you could build for your organization, why would you not do that? Because you want to have fans in the stands. 
But you have Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez that are just mentioned that are coming on the way. I know it wouldn't be a popular move, but it might be the right move. Am I wrong? I, I mean, those guys are really great in minor leagues. You know, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. There's such mm-hmm. a huge talent gap between AAA and the major league level. So I think that it's clear the Orioles are building to something, but if they're just going to churn and burn guys like Mullins, then they're not really building to anything. Then they're just building towards being the pirates in the American league because mm-hmm. Mullins is under, you know, he's has three years of ar- arbitration left after 2022. So he's the guy that you can build around. I can understand mm-hmm. them trading Mancini. I think fans would be upset about it, but he has a, he's a free agent next year. So it makes sense to send it to a team that can use that kind of guy this year. But Mullins, I think is going to be the guy that they build around because mm-hmm. if they're building to something, they have to keep, one player that's like, all right, this guy's elite, and we know that he's elite. Yeah. Like you said, for multiple reasons, for the fans, for the fact that they can be can just go at bat and have a chance every night. And maybe you build, you start something with him. And if when, I mean, Rutschman's going to come up in the first couple mm-hmm. months. Grayson Rodriguez, I'd also expect to debut next year at some point as well. So you'll have some of the pieces coming up. I think DL Hall is also mm-hmm. in there. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I, he's in the top 50, isn't he? Well, he's currently 72, but, 72. you know, he's a left-handed pitcher. The, these guys, uh, he, he's probably, I, I forget, I think he's younger than, uh, he's a younger prospect, if, if I'm not mistaken. I, I forgot to look, I'll have to look that up. That's so a, he might be a little bit, he might be a little bit away. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, Doc, let's talk about the Blue Jays again. There's a lot of places or pieces on that roster. They have to ship probably somebody out at some point. Maybe, ah, you ship, you maybe. Okay, go ahead, Doc. I, oh, I was gonna I, take a guess on a couple. You tell me who they're shipping hey, out. Well, you tell you tell me if it's the one that you're thinking of. So Vlad Jr. You obviously got to keep, and you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money. And that's what I think the Blue Jays know is that they're gonna have to shell out a lot of money to keep their talent. Also, think you have to keep Bo Bichette, as David said, he's the most valuable dynasty piece moving yeah, forward. I, he is. Tay Oscar is on a one-year 10-mil contract in arbitration. I think they keep him this year. They, the Blue Jays showed that they had World Series potential, and I think he was a pivotal part hitting 30-plus home runs. So I think the odd person out is Kevin Biggio. Is that who you were going to say? I thought they. I'd heard rumors that they were looking to move Kirk. Really? Yeah. I, I, could, I could see that, but I think that they need to get rid of a hitter. And with Kevin Biggio... His walk percentage has gone down each year that he's been in the majors. His K percentage is around 26.5 for his major league um, resume. Not a lot of barrels, hard hit percentage. Already has a neck issue. Not very active on the base pass. I think the Biggio name drives up his value a little bit, but I don't think that you want to pay him when you have to pay two other star hitters. You're going to have George Springer. So I think that's the name that they're going to have to move because you're not going to get rid of the Springer contract at this point, and you got to sign the other young studs. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, uh, the contract Springer contracts in place, and the young studs like Biggio and Guerrero they're going to lock up, and the Blue Jays are going to be one of the teams that's going to be having one of the highest payrolls for the coming seasons, and that's just a fact with the guys that they have. Not to mention, let's see what they do with Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, Marcus Simeon. Like there are a couple guys that are free agents now. And let's see if they spend up and try to keep at least one of them. Do any of you guys think that both of them stay? Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon? No. No. I don't yeah. think Simeon stays. I mean, they have, they're going to put Biggio at second and they're going to put Bichette at short. So there's not really any place for Simeon. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And he's going to cost a lot. He's not taking a one-year deal this year no. mm-hmm. after what he did last mm-hmm. year. The Rays are an interesting team. The assets are just like, I mean, it's it's a boundless, it's endless. It's like, as far as the eye can see, you can see, hey, there's Randy Rosarena. Hey, there's Shane Baz. Hey, there's Luis Patino. Wait, oh, look, it's Wander Franco. Shane McClanahan, where's, oh, he's over there. It's like, it's so many guys. <laughs> that They're all underpaid under $1 million right now. They're all extremely young. I mean, pick pick who you want to talk about. They, I don't see them moving any of these assets because they're not a type of team that's that's giving away these type of prospects. And they basically, like, I could see the the only person that came to my mind that I could see leaving might be Austin Meadows. He was like the only. I was like, he's uh, you know, he struggles against left-handed pitching. They don't even play him pretty much against left-handers. His name still carries value. They could easily plug and play other guys and move guys around. Uh, we talked about Kevin Kiermeyer. I don't think a team is trying to take Kevin Kiermeyer off their hands. So I, I think if you saw a big asset from this team move, I think it would be Austin Meadows if I had to pick one. I like but that. Other than that. It's crazy with all of those, you know, big names that they have, you know, young guys. It's going to be so sad for the race fans when they don't pay any of them and they I all know. go to random teams. I know. You know what's they funny know what's is that some some race fans though like they don't know any better than that apparently <laughs> so they don't like they've literally I've some not that I've spoken to every race fan I mean I've only spoken to probably half of them since there's not that many but they all like don't really care they're like not, they're so used to it that they don't they don't know what they're missing in in some respect yeah so I guess good for them <laughs> can you imagine if they actually paid for play I mean they make they make the World Series no one goes. It's sad. Yeah. It's and I've been to that stadium. It's brutal. It's not a nice place to be. It's my least mm-hmm. favorite ballpark I've been to, and I've been to about twelve. Wow. Why would why would they not invest in like a nice like Florida stadium? Like it's have in the middle a, of nowhere. Have a Shark Tank somewhere. Like have a, a ride for the kids. Have like something that's like family friendly, not just like a depressing dome. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. David, you should be an architect. Wow, that was inspiring. <laughs> They I, built I, I the mean, dome before they even had the team. They had the dome there. They were trying okay. to get the team. All right. Well, so, we're gonna, with, so like the, the Rays are stuck with it. We're going to petition for something. Let's yeah. move now to, we're going to combine four and five, but let's go to the third one here. Possible off-season targets you think this team will bring in or try to obtain in a trade. So who, Emily, do you think the Yankees, I'll see if you bring the name up that I heard floating around a lot. Um, but there are a couple of guys I, like, I'm sure the Yankees are going to be looking at this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I would love Carlos Correa, but I think that uh, I think that they probably end up with Seager. And Still good. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't be <laughs> I wouldn't be upset by that. But and I think that they're going to do a lot of business with the A's. The A's are clearly mm-hmm. having a fire sale of sorts. So I think that the Yankees are going to be in that mix to maybe. Matt Olson today, I think the A's GM or the president or someone made it clear that they're going to listen to offers for a bunch of their starting pitchers. The Yankees could use a little bit of that. So I think that there's going to be a few former A's on the Yankees roster this year. You took the words out of my mouth. I, Matt Olson was the name I was hearing that they were really intrigued at putting him at first base, sick. especially if they move Voight. Can you imagine the guy? And this was a stat that uh, I forgot where I heard the stat, but he set the MLB record. I was on MLB network. I think he set the record for the most home runs as a left-handed hitter against left-handed pitchers in MLB history this year. 
He hit like 29 homers uh, as a lefty versus lefties this year. It was something ridiculous. And he plays in that fucking cavernous dump, the Coliseum. So can you imagine how many of balls of his that were probably caught would be like triple third deck home runs at Yankee Stadium? Like, I can't imagine how many home runs he would hit at Yankee Stadium with the 314 down the line. So him, Seager's a lefty bat too. This stadium was literally built for, or the dimensions, the original one was literally built for freaking Babe Ruth. So for the Yankees to not have power hitting lefties in the lineup is a travesty. So it's time to bring some home. And he's one of them. Let me ask you guys this question. Over or under, if he were to go to the Yankees, over or under 36 home runs for Matt Olson next year? Over. Over. Under. Yeah. I'd say over as well. I'm going to take the under because, and, and Emily, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would prefer to have Seager because I know he can play in a big market on a big stage. Is there still this like kind of like this, you know, cloak of, you know, the New York City, um, you know, media and everything that's going on that's kind of really hard on these players? Is that still a thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the fans are really hard on them and the media is because they know that's the kind of content that the fans are going to eat up. Um, but I think that the guys that are in, on the team will be able to help whoever comes here with that. Be, they'll be able to help them manage it. And this squad so far is pretty good, you know, with the exception, like what's it called? The Mets were getting criticized this year, you know, with the thumbs down mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. people can say whatever they want about Stanton. He's gotten a ton of shit over the years since he came here and he just puts his head down and does his job and takes it and, and then performs. So I think that, if there's any point in Yankee history where players can come here from a small market and succeed, it's now because they have a lot of guys on there that can help them through that. Plus I like when John Carlo hits a home run. Cause was it John Sterling that goes, John uh, Carlo. Oh no. However he says it. Yeah. He like says a, some, some dumb Italian. I will say though, there's like no more exciting player in baseball. He's top three for me. Like if oh, the yeah. Yankees are playing, I'm watching because of him. I have him. You know, I'm getting him like in the fourth round of drafts right now. Just a little, yeah. you know, 15 teams. And I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he just hits absolute missiles. It's crazy. It's I don't understand how he's able to hit the ball so hard. Like I try to dissect it every single at bat, every home run, and it just it still just does not make any sense. It's crazy. Marty, let's talk about their cross-rival here, They're the Red Sox. Yeah, man, the bullpen cop and everything, I'm not over it, man. It's just, <laughs> I'm just not. But yeah, it's it's good. It's all good. <laughs> what uh, what moves are they making this offseason? Who are they bringing Dude, in? To, okay, to... so the Red Sox are going to be, they're one of those weird teams where they can do absolutely whatever they want or they, don't, they won't do anything because they're like, well, we didn't really do too much last year and look what happened. We're two games away from, you know, winning the pennant. So, um. With that being said, uh, I was on MLB trade rumors, kind of you know trying to test out the uh, the stove here, and dude, they're linked to everybody: Marcus Simeon, Freddie Freeman, Chris Taylor, Carlos Rodon, Anthony Rizzo, Verlander, Canable, Granky. Everybody's on the everybody. In two months, they could have a completely different team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like recently that they haven't been big spenders. Ever since they traded Mookie Betts, they've kind of kept under the radar on that front. So maybe they bring a guy or two in, but I think you like you mentioned earlier, they have such a good young core. Why mm-hmm. would they need to at this point with how the guys have been playing? Because it's it's Boston and it's the Red Sox, and they haven't done it in three four years, and the fans are getting pissed. 
<laughs> Unrelated, is Alex Cora the best manager in baseball? No. Uh, he's one of them. Kevin Cash is up there. Uh, I mean, Alex, they were complete garbage when Alex Cora took the time off, and now they're relevant again when he took the helmet. And when you look up and down the team, you know, it's it's a solid team, but we didn't think they'd make it that far, you know, and I think he did a good job with his bullpen, um, you know, when it counted for the most part. Um, yeah, I think he's he's one of the best. Alex Cora is the Mike Vrabel of baseball. I put out a tweet that said Mike Vrabel is the best head coach in football that nobody's talking about. Because if you look at stuff underneath the numbers, same with Alex Cora, I'm going to the grave saying right now that he is the best manager in Major League Baseball as it stands right now. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's just facts. Just that, facts. Is, that, that is, that is, that is going to be a take that might not wear well. I mean, whatever he does like behind the scenes, I can't advocate for it. But if you look at a team being a bottom feeder to being potentially going to the World Series... Just with the same person. <laughs> a bottom feeder? They are top five in payroll. I, like They can tell the fans it's a rebuilding, whatever, and they can eat that up, and that's fine. But you can't tell me that a team that is top five in their 26-man roster and payroll is like some Cinderella story out of nowhere. The fact that they were trying to set up the fans for a less than 91 season is a fucking joke. So the fact that they did win 92 games is like, yeah, just like the Yankees, yeah, they should win at least 90 games. Like, come on. Wait, so when was Cora's last time he managed them? Was it 18 or 19? 19. It was It was right? just 2020 yeah, that he didn't 19. pull? That he didn't, yeah. Didn't, yeah, that okay, whole so, that scandal came out in February 2020. So they won the World Series his first year as manager in 2018 with 108 wins. 2019, they were six games above 500. In 2020, the year he did not manage, they were under 500 at 24 and 36, 16 games back of the uh, division there. And then last year, second in the AL East at 92 wins. My man is just... He, if you have Alex Cora as your manager, you have a chance. That's all I've got to say. Alex Cora. 2020 was a joke, though. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 2020, like, oh my God, he took the 2020 Red Sox and turned them into, it's like the 2020 season, the Red Sox clearly punted because most teams did, you know, it was just like, oh shit, we got into the postseason. That was like every team besides the Dodgers. So, I mean, obviously I'm very unbiased as a Yankees fan. You think I'm a Red Sox. And this is why I'm doing a disservice to the Red Sox. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. They I suck. Know, I love, yeah. I'm, like not. I'm like, yes, I got the Red Sox guy to agree with me. Oh man. All right. Cheesecake. Let's get, let's bring the mood down with the Orioles again. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say this is what the Orioles are going to do because the Orioles are going to, they're going to Oriole all over the place and they're going to put out, I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm going to read you two names and you have to tell me if I made these names up or if they, they are listed as the potential starting catchers for the ball. That's like Orioles a game. That's year. like the game I do. <laughs> Brett Cumberland, that's Chad right. Roberts. Those, those real, are, are those, are those real players? I think so. They are. They're going to hit about 175 next year for Baltimore. So I think one thing that they can do, I know they're going to bring Adley up. You're going to say, Art, they're going to bring Adley up. You're going to now say to sign a catcher? Yeah, I'm going to say to sign a catcher, and I got one in mind. Jan Gomes is a veteran. They signed him to a two-year deal. Adley coming up and catching in the major leagues is one of the hardest things to do in sports. 
the transition from minor league catching to to managing a major league staff is one of the biggest transitions in all sports. It's like it's like learning to be a quarterback in the NFL, kind of. Um, so with Gomes up, Rutschman be catching two, three days a week. This is part of my Mancini trade. Then I'll DH otherwise because Mancini's gone. You know, so you're getting him his five, six hundred plate appearances this year, getting his hitting, getting him 60, 75 games as catcher. And 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 you're breaking him in slowly, not not having him manage the staff every day for the whole season. So Jan, Jan Gomes is one person. Also, I think they you know, you look at their they're not paying anybody anything. At third base, they got nobody. Their their top third base prospect is like 19 years old. He's in the top 100, uh, Gunnar Henderson, but he's like 19 years old. He's way far away. I think they can also make a little bit of a splash in the third base market. And I would go. I would, if it was me, I would do like the the Nationals did the Jason Worth contract, just to show we're serious. We're looking to be ready to contend, you know. So there's a the the guy who I'd look at, who's a name, who would put some fans in the stands, and who still is, and who's obviously has some left in the tank, and that's Chris Bryant. I'm not talking like a six seven year contract, maybe three four years. Give Chris Bryant a nice deal, have him play third base. And then I think they got to get some starters. Their pitching is just so horrible. But pick it out of pick out of the the bargain bin on some on some veteran pitchers like Stephen Matz, Zach Davies, guys like that. You mean when they did that with Andrew Kashner and um, Alex Cobb and Alex Cobb and all that? You know, <laughs> yeah, they've done it before, but you know, Giovanni Gallardo. You can't you can't, you can't be throwing out, uh, you know, Nelson. Bill Biltington from from Double A or whatever the heck any one of their jobber guys are going to be called that they're going to throw out there, you know, three out of your four five starts in a, in a week, you know, three out of your six starts in a week, you got to have competent major league pitchers, or else, you know, who who's gonna who's gonna be pitching their innings? They're just going to get crushed. I mean, the, losing losing begets losing. Signing a veteran pitcher to to throw 150 innings next year that's not a that's not a really big deal you know even if he does like a 5 ERA it's better than it's better than having to piece together double a pitchers that you can put out there yeah agreed let's move quickly to the blue jays doc give us the cliff notes version of yeah this. so i think hitting wise they're good if they choose to re-sign simeon i think you this is like what the Nationals did with Strasburg is they bid against themselves. I think you make something like a three-year, 75-mil offer. So by the time you have to pay Vlad and um, Bichette, that it's not weighing too much. I would offer him something like that. Robbie Ray, I'd offer him a two-year, 45-ish mil contract. I think that's pretty good AAV-wise. I think what they really need is bullpen relief. And, you know, we thought it was going to be Kirby Yates, then Julian Merriweather, then Jordan Romano. They need a shutdown closer. So I'm looking at the market. Iglesias is the top name there. I also like Ryan Tapera, um, Kendall Graveman, Yimi Garcia, even someone like a Colin McHugh that can, you know, be a, a middle innings guy that can eat three and you know three four innings if Stephen Matz or if Ryan Baricki or Tyler Thornton get bombed. So I think they really need to address the bullpen. But do you think that they'll have some of the money to sign some of those bigger name guys if they're bringing back a Robbie Ray and having those contracts on the horizon that they do? I feel like they'll have to go cheaper 
on that route, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to get probably the Raziel Iglesias. I was just saying he's probably the biggest name out there. But yeah. I think like relievers are probably the most underappreciated position. I think if you're a contender, you're going to sign a bullpen guy. But I can't imagine like a team like those being like, we're a Raziel Iglesias away from being contenders. Like, yeah, I, I think you kind of let the, the big name dominoes fall, the Correas, the stories, everybody we're talking about. And then, you know, other players become a much better value after the, the big spenders. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the Rays, as far as it's concerned, you know that there's two things with the Rays. They make trades don't see coming and they won't overspend for players. So they're losing Nelson Cruz, Colin McHugh, Michael Waka, David Robertson, Chris Archer, Chaz Rowe, and Tommy Hunter. Those are the holes they have to fill for their roster. You have Wander Franco, obviously going to be there from day one. Vidal Brujan, number four prospect Josh Lowe, and then you also have Taylor Walls there, who I think will all come in there. If anything, I think they're not going to potentially bring someone in. It's more probably getting rid of some guys because they have a log jam at a lot of positions. So I think the only players I could see bringing, I think they'll bring in a veteran pitcher for that pitching staff. Somebody that you know will actually go and pitch like a normal fifth day starter. Like whether it's a John Gray or a Corey Kluber, somebody like they had Michael Waka this year kind of for that role. I think they'll have one pitcher that you're like, okay, when they pitch, they're going in there to pitch five or six normal innings. And then the Rays will throw their young guys and then maybe have like one or two bullpen days every time too. So um, that's, I think the Rays way. I would be shocked if, if they bring in another position player, I think they'll a pitcher's all I see, honestly, right now. Um, let's combine really Margo qu- though. What'd you Sorry. say? I said they'll probably flip Margo though, because he's gonna oh, be a course. free agent <laughs> after this year. Yeah. So he'll be a piece that they can trade and get a lot back. That's actually a really good point. Like you're right, he's coming from a position of strength and they're not even gonna need him. So why not yet? Yeah, why not flip him? Maybe he's bring in Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a good call. Let's go to the last thing. We're gonna combine the the two here together. What are your team's realistic goals for 2022? And give us your final record for them and their expectations. So basically, give us give us their record and then tell us if they'll be in playoffs, purgatory, or a pushover in 2022. So Emily, why don't you start with the Yankees? Um, I'm going to say that they are going to be, that they're going to go 162 and okay. they're going to win the division. And they they are... They're contenders, you know what I mean? That last year they won 92 and they were really shitty. So I think that they're going to be back to 2019 form, hopefully. And I think they're going to go to the World Series. I mean, I said this at the beginning of 2021, but that's behind me, okay? So now I'm for real with these predictions. <laughs> I like it. Do you, um, So when you said you think they're contenders, you mean playoffs, right? Yeah, I think that they can. If, if a team can make it to the postseason, they can win the World Series. So yeah, well, I think I was meant more to, for sure. I meant more to stick with my alliteration of playoffs, purgatory, or pushover. Oh my bad, uh, playoffs. <laughs> oh my god, I'm very anal when it comes to that stuff. I hate, I hate you, David. I spent some time thinking of three Ps, so that's why. I, uh, Did you not listen to my podcast? I talk a lot. If you only want one word, you have to be like, listen, just one word. You get one. And that's to start with a P. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Marty, what about you? Are the Red Sox playoffs, purgatory, or what was the third one I said? Push over. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, playoffs. And 
I even think that with kind of with what they're building now, if they could add two, three more like really big pieces, that's even going to be more solidified. Um, expect their record, you know, from 92 and 70. 92 and 70. So you think yeah. the Yankees will be above them? I will. Yeah, they'll be wild card. They'll be fighting for their life. Okay. All right. So we're on the. I don't know if the Yankees will be above them. That's I, I didn't say that. I, <laughs> oh. So, who, so who finishes above them? Well, I would say I. Well, I would go with the Yankees above them, but I. Oh, you know, so the Yankees are me. above them. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so then I guess let me just add with the with the Rays real quick. Then I have them at ninety nine wins next year. Ninety nine and whatever the losses I didn't calculate ahead of time. So. Uh, 99, 99 and 63. 63. 63. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh my God. That day. math wasn't hard, Dave. You should be embarrassed. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> 99 and 63. And I think they're going to the World Series next year. I think it's their year. They've been so close. I think they'll make a playoff run with this group. I, I picture like the old, was it the, like 2014 Royals? That really young team that you're just like, they're all gelling and everybody's working well together. All their young guys will have a year under their belt going into next year. It's raise gang or die next year. I've never been so perplexed by a team. If you just look up and down their lineup, it's insane that like, yeah, they'll probably win the East. It's like, I just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's those three teams I think are the definite favorites. Blue Jays not far behind doc. Let's go to the Blue Jays. Then we'll, we'll finish out on a bad note, but. All right. So I think they're playoff contenders. I think their minimum goal, they need to make the playoffs. I think they can have world series aspirations and for their record, they go 94 and 68 and get a wild card spot. That was great math. There. 94 and 68. So you have them right in that. That We all have basically, between our predictions, have them within six games. Or you said 92 for the Red Sox, Marty? So eight games. Within eight games of each Blue other. Blue Jays were 91 and 71 last year, but they got hot at the right time at the end. Unfortunately, a little too late. But I think we see that carry over because, like, June, July, they hit a really kind of rough stretch. Yeah. All right. Cheesecake, what is the Orioles' final record? Are they wor- the worst team in baseball next year? I got a P word for you, David. Um, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they're, they're, uh, no, they're pushovers, but I do think that they're going to be better. They were 52 and 110 in 2021. I think they're going to win between like 63 and 67 games. So I'm going to go 66 and 96 for their record in 2022, but that's a 14 game improvement. Oh, <laughs> I like that way to be positive. Cheesecake. Look, love the little bits of improvement there. Uh, that was great. That was some great GM talk. Everybody. I, I feel very confident that we, uh, we know what we're doing with these franchises. They should feel very good going into next year, except the Orioles. So very happy about that. Let's go now to our question. Of the week. I can't touch this. Okay. Wait, where's my... Remember, let's not get copyrighted, David. All right, sorry, I was trying to stop. <laughs> so our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play. So, Doc, I think your question's kind of boring. We can ask it. I have a better one, but we can... How's it boring? Jeez. His question... All right, so the question I sent you guys was, which World Series team hasn't won... That hasn't won in the 20th century, 21st century, uh, will be the next team to win? That's a good question. I like that question. That's a, that's a good, solid question. My question was, if you were to make a baseball-themed protein bar, 
what would the name of it be and what's in it? Of course, yours has to be Whoa. about exercise and fitness, David. Well, I, we could, I know you guys didn't prep for that one, so I'll save that one for another episode so we could stick with Doc's original one. Uh, so obviously the team has to have not won a World Series since 2000. Which team do you think will win a World Series that hasn't qualified for that, Emily? The Mets. Oh, wow. Optimism in Queens. I would love to say the Blue Jays. They seem, but the AL East is just too stacked for the foreseeable future. So I think that the NL East has, we just saw this year as the best chance to have random winners. Isn't it really bad? I think a lot of people could have said the Braves. And now the Braves took that option off the table for us. I mean, to be fair, every team in that NL East has won besides the Mets. That's true. Maybe it's their time. Since they lost in 2000 (laughs) to the Yankees. Marty, who are you picking? This one was really easy. The Detroit Tigers. Oh. Oh. A Tigers fan? Where's my boo button? Born and raised. Yes. Go ahead and explain. You can explain. Your yeah, memory. okay. Well, a little bit of homerism, but actually, you know, I. Oh, wait, I really, this isn't a joke. You're serious? I'm dead serious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the next three years, man, watch this. Spencer Torkelson's going to come up. You know, he's going to be as good as advertised. Riley Green's going to be as good as advertised. I like what we're doing with our pitching staff just overall. We finally have a competent manager, you know, like even more so than Jim Leland with his marbles in his mouth and not hearing a word, understanding anything he said. Um, you know, AJ Hinch has done a lot of good. Um, I'm liking everything that I'm saying, but it, it, we're we're four years away. Three years, no, three years away. Three years Mar- away from this World Series. Marty. Bruh. Come on. <laughs> three years? Uh, Just saying. I think you guys will have a White Sox type of turnaround. I do, actually. I, I don't know if you'll win a World Series, but I think you guys will be contenders in the AL. I just don't see it. We have to have one. After the, the last group, the Miggy, the Verlander, Scherzer squad not getting one. I mean, come on, man. Marty, can I tell you, as a Please. Twins fan, Let's talk. the only happy moment I have of, since I became a fan was in 2006 in Game 163. When uh, come guys. on, man. That's yeah. like my literally only happy. We haven't won a playoff game since 2004. <laughs> We've lost like 25 straight playoff games. You did do a very good job in the AL Central for a long time with a very like underpaid team. And we cannot um, beat Emily's team. Like literally when they play the no. Yankees in the playoffs, you might as well bet whatever it is for the Yankees. And like. And here David says my question wasn't good and we got him on a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing that the Twins have ever done is Little Big League and that's it. Ooh. Wait, that wasn't a knock. That's a little big league. Yeah, your movie. You're missing Kirby Puckett. What about you, Santana? Was, was my Mets guy. legend? Yeah, the no hitter. Oh, no Mets hitter. Legend, yeah, yeah. Uh, cheesecake. Who's your pick? I think Milwaukee, um, with their pitching, has a chance to just have a hot playoffs and go to a World Series, get the World Series win. With their depth at starting pitching, you know, Devin Williams stops doing whatever he did to injure his hand right before the playoffs. I don't know what he was doing. You know, they got they got the back end of the bullpen. They got all the pieces in their staff. They're hitting if it, if it's hot, they're definitely definitely a favorite in the National League. I 
So, Doc, we can both just say we were that's who our pick was as well. I mean, the only thing I was going to say is they're also like half that division is rebuilding the Cubs, the Pirates. The, the Cardinals are are very streaky, and the Reds seem to kind of be in rebuilding. So, the Reds are about to sell Luis Castillo. He's they said they're, they're open to trading him. Yeah. So, it's basically just them and the Cardinals in contention. So, yeah. And I think the Brewers are a really glaring one. Um, does anybody think? Oh, let me ask you this last question before we move to the last segment, the game. Who is better in two years, the Mariners or the Tigers? Tigers. Tigers. I don't think I have to answer it, but I will. Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Tigers. No way. The Tigers are cursed. Yeah, no, I just jump in. Mariners are Mariners are going to be good. They're going to be good. But what do you mean? Uh, yeah. What do you mean they're going to be good? They're going to make the playoffs for the first time in twenty years. Good. They won like 90 games this season and they have, they have great prospects coming up still like a bunch of them. So they're, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Just remember when they won 116 games and then lost to the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say about the Tigers though, they are going to, they're going to spend money and they haven't done that in a very long time. And Mr. Little Caesars, the um, you know, the son now, he's in business and he hasn't made any splashes since he's been an owner and we're waiting on him to do it. And he had, he's loaded. Got to watch out for these sons. These sons might have have tighter fists than their their dads do sometimes. It's so far that's absolutely true. And that's gotta, and, yeah, but they all cracked up to be, right? <laughs> all I got to say before we transition, Little Caesars trash pizza. It's, it's not good. I actually, um, from, you know, the age of like, you know, four to 20, I ate it and it was $5 and it was fine. I no longer eat it. Uh, I'm very, I live on Long Island, so I can, it's against the law here for me to eat something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get to the last segment of the night. It's going to be the game of the week. (laughs) I like playing that. What is it? What was that drop? What? <laughs> uh, don't play that drop when your kids go to bed. <laughs> I okay, can't so, believe you did that again, David. Wow. I like to mix it in every once in a while. Okay. So our game is going to be hosted by Doc this week. Doc, what are we playing? So we have to play a little A-Rod trivia. Now, oh Emily's going to enter this as the betting favorite. Vegas has her as, as minus 160. But not all of these are going to be gimme questions. So there's going to be some short answer or some guessing. There's also going to be some multiple choice. Questions are going to range from one to two points. We're going to rotate who begins each. So we're going to go Art, Marty, Emily, David, then, you know, rotate through. Um, And then I have a tiebreaker question at the end. Sound good? Let's rock. And David and Art know me. They're going to be very weird questions. So we'll see how well you know, A-Rod. Let's rock. We'll, We'll start with an easy one. And this is a 2.1. What is A-Rod's career home run, career high home runs in a season and for what team? So you can get a possible two points. Marty, you, or, um, Art, you start. Uh, Texas Rangers, 56. Okay. Marty? Rangers, 52. Okay. Emily? Rangers, 57. Okay. <sighs> David? Cheesy, I literally had 56 for the Rangers, but now but now I'm questioning it. But I, I think I should go with my gut. I was going to say Rangers 56. Dude, you should have just copied Emily. It's Rangers 57. <laughs> I, I, should, I, had, I had the answers in front of me for the test, and I ignored it. You did. You did. 
I, I figured that was a little bit of an easy one. I knew uh, you guys would all get the Rangers. So Emily in the lead like we expected. Question two. Marty, we're starting with you. A-Rod won the MVP three times, 2003, 2005, 2007. But how many times did he finish in the top five? That includes those MVP seasons he won. Six. Okay. Emily? Six. Okay. David? Five for five. Okay. Art? How many times did he finish in the top five? An MVP voting. Is closest to the score the winner? Uh, Closest or if somebody gets it exact. I'm going to say seven because it's probably like 12 or 13. Uh, it's actually six. So what? Marty and Marty and Emily each get a point. Marty said wow. it with such confidence. I love it. All right. Yeah. Question three. We're Emily's starting with really Emily on this. A Rod is like historian. All right. Well, <laughs> if you get this one, if you get this one, I'll be very impressed. What is the lowest batting average A Rod had in a season where he played at least a hundred games? Emily starts this one. Yep. Oh, man. I'm going to say like 268 probably. Okay. David? Do I copy? Um, I'll say it was a little lower. I'll say 256. Okay. Art? You said 100 games? A minimum 100 games played, the lowest batting average he had in a season. 245. Okay. And Marty. 244. Emily, you're really good. It's 270. Well, when you you know when you pull up Google and it tells you how many times you've visited a page? Literally, if I pull up A Rod's baseball reference, it's like you visited this page many times. Like, oh, I love it. Chill, Google. I love it. All right. Well, David, we're starting with you for the fourth question. What is the most amount of walks that A Rod has in a season? Oh, God. Uh, 218. What? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, too, it's too late, David. Locked I don't know what the reference. Art I don't know. You. Uh, 116. All right. Marty? Uh, uh, 103. Emily? I actually know this one. It's 100. It is 100. Yeah. Wow, that was awesome. Should have won MVP that, that year, was- too. <laughs> That would right, be, well, I think, the all-time record for walks in a season. I think that would be Bonds' record. What was there, Bonds' David. record? It's like 205, something like 190, something, 200. I, I just want to get the all-time record. David's doing a great job embarrassing himself. I didn't know how to scale it. I, <laughs> I actually don't look up, like, I'll look up walk percentages, but I haven't looked up by actual number of walks. He's in football mode, man. He's we're, in football we're, mode. We're going we're gonna, to, we're going to, uh, so question five, Emily's got five, Marty's got two, Art and David got one. Art, we're starting with you. This is going to be an easy one. A-Rod wore two numbers. Name them. 13 and I'm going to get this one wrong. Six. Okay. Marty? 13 and nine. Okay. Emily? 13 and three. David? 13 and 3. All right. Well, smart job copying Emily this time. (laughs) We're going to go to question six, Marty. We're starting with you. What are A Rod's career earnings for baseball? 
250 million. Okay. Emily? 452 Jesus, million. Okay. David? 453 million. <laughs> Price Art? is writing me. Um, okay. So he signed the big contract and then he, then he extend signed an extension. He didn't get all 250 from the Rangers contract. He signed an extension for like 260. So I'm going to guess he made, yeah, 440. David doing the smart thing. It was 455 million, 159,552. David's getting the hang of this. I just got a, I just got a bookmark from Emily. I play this game under protest because I want, I want to be in, in pole position, which is one spot guessing past Emily. This is not fair. (laughs) Oh, you know, Uh, you got to move yourself in the right spot on the screen. I don't have control over this. This is nonsense. We got, we got four multiple choice now and we're starting with Emily for this one. What is a rod's middle name? Do you even need the choices or do you know? It's Emmanuel. (laughs) I'm going to say it's Emmanuel. (laughs) With two M's. With two M's. All right. Well, everybody's going to get a point for that. This I actually know. It's Emmanuel with two N's. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next one, and Dave, we're beginning this. Can with we you. start with Emily? <laughs> <laughs> Who did A Rod hit his first home run against? Oh was my it, God! Was it? Is, it I'm going to give you multiple one. choice. Okay, go ahead. Mike Mussina, Bobby Witt, Kevin Brown, or Tom Gordon? Well, we had Tom Gordon on the show. I don't remember us ever saying that in the notes. I'm going to. What was the third option? Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown is my guess. Okay. Marty? Or Art, I think. It's Art nice. Oh, yeah, Art. Um, Would have been 96, so they were all active. I'm, mm, I'm going to say Bobby Witt. Okay. Marty? Kevin Brown. All right. Emily? It was actually in 95, and it was off Tom Gordon when he was on the <gasps> Kansas City <gasps> It was it was Tom Gordon, friend of the pod. Friend oh of the my pod. god! I don't remember. Right. He was on a breaking ball. That, I don't remember that in the research. When we, <laughs> from from the Breaking Balls podcast. <laughs> oh my god! You feel like on Alex Rodriguez Jeopardy. All right, we got, <laughs> we got we got two left. Two left here. Which one of these companies has A Rod not partnered with? And Art, we're beginning with you. So the choices are Snapchat, AMC. Anheuser Busch or Acorns? Uh, I'm going to say Anheuser Busch. Okay. Marty? Yeah, uh, beer. Emily? Yeah, I'm going to say Anheuser Busch as well. David? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that as well. No, nah, he's actually, um, there was a, a, a Dominican beer that's part of Anheuser Busch. It's actually <laughs> AMC. It a minor stake in Snapchat and Acorns, the investing app. Wow. I thought it was that was a trick question because I was like, he does Presidente beer. Obviously, he can't have done the book, the uh, Bush, <laughs> but I guess they're from the same fucking company. Yep. That's wow. when you know too much that you psych yourself out. You know? <laughs> yeah, yep. I did. I, I, I was like, another, another fucking swish from me. All right. All right. Well, this is the last one. I mean, Emily already won, but so we'll, we'll start off. We'll have her go last. So they will start off with you for this one. 
Which girl did A Rod not date out of these? Uh, <laughs> I think I'll know this one. I think I'll know this one. Okay. Give okay. It to me. Jessica Simpson, J Lo, Cameron Diaz, or Madonna? I'm pretty sure Jessica Simpson was Romo's gal. So I'll say that it was Jessica Simpson. What about before Romo? I'm pretty sure that they did not date, if my yeah. uh, if I remember correctly. Okay. Art? Jessica Simpson has a long and distinguished list of ex-lovers, just like Taylor <laughs> Swift. Okay. Uh, I I think it is Jessica Simpson, though. Me too. I'm proud if I get this. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, come on. All right. J-Lo was the obvious one. Well, I know, but... It- you know, Cameron I remember Diaz. Cameron Diaz. I remember Madonna. Born. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I was like, this is just going to be the softball one at the end. But I was I mean, not it softball even, for me. I, it, I was, it wasn't even it wasn't even close. Well, David, I knew you were going to get that because I knew I knew Dave was going to say, oh, Romo dated Jessica Simpson. Well, I'm taking did that. You? It was. Yeah, I did. It wasn't even close. Emily, if the, the people to bet on you, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Would just like to thank A Rod for being <laughs> so magnanimous. I'm glad I at least stumped you on the 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 one that he didn't partner with. I know. I'm glad that that's the one I got stumped on too. Because I'm not <laughs> Emily, let me A-Rod ask you. Okay, I'm I'm salt of the earth. A Rod. <laughs> Emily, who's your favorite Yankee of all time? Wait, is that a serious question? It most certainly is. Is it is it what everyone's favorite Yankee? Is it the, that one? No, it's Al, it's A Rod. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The historian. Yeah. yeah you gotta gotta go with her guy. <laughs> yeah, I love A Rod. I was so psyched when he came to the Yankees. So on that note, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was a ton of fun having you on the pod. Can you please make sure you plug all the great stuff you're doing and anything else you want our listeners to know? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at mshedoesit, and my podcast is breaking balls podcast and it's available on all major podcasting networks and we're on twitter at break balls pod and we come out with an episode every week every saturday even throughout the off season so thanks for having me this was awesome i had a lot of fun especially beating all of you guys at the end i'm pretty competitive so that was the best part can we do different game next time can we do twins trivia or something like <laughs> <laughs> twins postseason trivia oh, oh, i tell you what ne- tell you what next time she comes on i'll do a game that's not a rod related <laughs> <laughs> give, us a, yeah, give us a chance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, make sure you follow her. Make sure you follow the podcast, Breaking Balls podcast. Caught my first episode today. I'll be listening many more times in yeah. the future. Absolutely great stuff. And everybody that tunes into this show, we appreciate you guys. Whether you watch the YouTube, whether you listen to the podcast, all listens and watches are greatly appreciated. Next week, we'll be back with another guest for more off-season content, breaking down division that doc's gonna cover because i will not be here so whatever division he chooses but until then stay safe enjoy the off season and we're gonna make like a bread truck and we're gonna haul these buns we're gonna catch you guys in the next one